assimilate the information. Right. Yeah, right. You're just chopping and changing. Which I can like easily do because I'm just like, <laughs> oh yeah, my, my mind is like all over. So he's just, gonna like, all right, kids, like get that. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> perfect, perfect. So you can have, um, are you okay? What we don't eat water, and are you cool no, enough? I'm okay. okay. We really should have said that. Here. I forgot about that. Yeah. So you just work it out. Are you cooling down it now? This is the hottest it will be. Yeah. It's yeah. Gonna, it's only gonna get cooler. Yeah, no. It turn the AC down. way down and close the door. Like, so. start waking up here, and then, like, daytime, we're, like, down there with the cooler. <laughs> <laughs> Again, we, we were joking when you were up here that it's it's hotter than the devil's ass crap. Yeah, I love yeah. it. <laughs> it's, it's, like, not good. So this feels good, I can just do a side, though. Like, I'm hotter than a devil's ass crack. Like, yeah. <laughs> is that, like, in a bathroom yeah. or something? Like, Interior designer. Yeah. That's a yeah, new. Yeah. yeah. For, for, I'll pitch that to, to Nadia Rossi and see what she <laughs> says. She'll be like, no, I'm dropping you immediately. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, like creative uh, genius. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Sounded better in my head. Oh well. Oh well. All right. Should we get into it? Yeah, do let's it. do it. Do the test any mic stuff? Um, no, I think we are Is it calibrated? Good. Okay. So, do kick things off, Connor. Yes. I do you want to tell us all who you are, um, your name, your age? Sure. Always good. And um, what you do and how you got into it. So I am 16. No, I'm not. I'm, just, I'm, t- <laughs> I'm 22. It's okay. You can cut that. Um, I am I am uh, 22. My name is Connor Dzinski and I'm the president of Cardinal Marketing and Design. Um, currently right now only in horse and hunt country up here in Virginia, but future plans, obviously, which we'll get into um, about expanding to other markets. Um, but yeah, I just started my own marketing LLC and uh, super excited to be here. So thank you. Yeah. Fresh well- out of... Fresh out of school and a freshly minted LLC, which oh, is yeah. quite rare, actually. Very rare. Yeah. I mean, most people don't even know what an LLC is until they're like, I had to look 28. It took a decade for me. You're like, okay, what's yeah. an LLC? What's that? <laughs> did you learn that in school? I did not. I actually learned that from my dad. And so that's where I get a lot of um, entrepreneurial skills from is, is my dad. He's like a, a businessman and has worked in companies like that pretty much his whole life. So, um, I knew I wanted to do my own thing and like create a company or a firm for myself, but I didn't know what the right outlet was or what that would look like. And so obviously did a lot of research, like in preparation for it, compiling more clients of like, okay, how do I want to form this into an agency and what does that look like? And yeah. an LLC was just the best Were you best, uh, solution before you did that? Because I first discovered you as yeah. the hunt country boy. Yes. yes. Which I was, as soon as I saw the hunt country boy on Instagram, I was like, Oh my God. I just <laughs> loved the, the aura, the vibe, your uh-huh. soul. I feel like when we first actually met in person, I was like, Oh, I know you. You know, like we've been, oh, we've been friends you. for like you know since I discovered you. What are you yeah. talking about? So I, I discovered the Hunt Country on, Boy. Uh, <laughs> on that note, before we go into more detail about okay. your background and stuff, for the yeah. listeners who don't know who you are, mm. um, what when you say you have an LLC, like right. flesh out a little bit more, kind of what your marketing company does sure, and what you specialize sure. in, so they can kind of envision. What you're talking about. Yeah. So my LLC, I mean, obviously you can make an LLC for sort of anything. Um, for me getting into marketing, specializing in social media marketing, um, I really again have compiled clients that um need my services. They obviously need a range of other services like traditional marketing tactics like email blasts, um, networking, event planning, photography, things like that. Um, but really I totally just lost my like train of thought. Oh my god! Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, so, yeah. So to 
to to sum it up, so a lot of these, especially you, you're, you specialize in here around Hunt Country, being Hunt right. Country boys, so right. around the Middleburg area, right? right? And there are a lot of um, long, uh, long-lasting traditional equestrian mm-hmm. businesses, facilities, sites, competition centers, etc. Right. Who have been, I suppose, in some cases, slower to move into the social media marketing age. Yeah. And they, because they're doing so much else beyond just the social media marketing, right. you have kind of carved out a niche for yourself in which they outsource to your company their daily social media marketing campaigns. Yes. So they can focus on what they're supposed to be focusing on, which is running running, events. A, running a company yeah, or exactly. a, events and things like that. And you're absolutely right. Um, marketing, when I first got into it, just being an editorial assistant at a local publication, I realized very quickly that it is a full-time job. Mm. Um, and before I sort of started that experience, I assumed that when I saw a pretty picture on Instagram, that it just got there in like two seconds. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't really think about the thought that goes behind it. And, um, again, the algorithms that need to be played with the programs that need to be used to sort of, again, message or, or send out the messaging that you want. Yeah. So yeah. I didn't really think anything about it. Um, and then as Just I got someone into Someone was more, like, snap, swipe the filters. Yeah. Just, I did that too. That looks good. Yeah. Post. Right. And then when you're, when you're in the business or, you know, you have your own business as you all do, you realize that there's so many other things to be focusing on rather than marketing and constant messaging, because behind the scenes, <coughs> you are trying to make things happen. Um, you have initiatives that you're working on, like exciting projects yeah. where social media specifically, because it is such a constant daily thing that needs to be done, you like don't have the time and energy for it right. because it's so constant and you need to engage, you need to grow, you need to be specific about sharing your mission and your branding with your audience and trying to grow. And um, one of my mentors, Carrie Hull at Grey Meadow, um, and I think this summarizes perfectly where we are today in marketing is that we live in such an attention economy, meaning that, you know, people do want a pretty picture, but they want something that um, they can consume very quickly and uh, sort of understand the gist of very quickly and then move on to the next thing. And so again, as a business or a company um, like yourself here at Pegasus to do that constantly is just like, it's, it's not possible. It, it gets to a point where yeah. you can't, you can't do it by yourself um, forever. Yeah. I interviewed so. a, um, I interviewed for another podcast a couple of years ago, I interviewed a, a guy who was a friend of a friend yeah. who was a marketing professional. He'd come up working in premier agencies in um, New York city to right. all through his twenties. And by his early thirties, he had like crossed over and gone in-house at a large company in their media team. And I was asking him about this. I was like, because at that point we were like learning about social media and stuff for Pegasus and gearing up to basically yeah. build our brand. Yeah. And I was asking him like, is the way of old school marketing dead because it's being replaced by social media? Mm-hmm. Like, is it, is it, is it a case of they've got people who used to specialize in large Super Bowl ads and people used to specialize in billboards and what they traditionally call above the line advertising? Is that industry dead? And they're really trying to hire young people. Yeah. And I, and I was expect, I asked that question fully expecting him to say, absolutely. Like, that's the world. And yeah. he was like, no, that's not the case. And I was yeah. like, really? And he's like, yeah. He's like, think of it as, um, 
Think if you have Nike, for example, mm-hmm. Nike the company. Nike. Nike. <laughs> Nike. Nike. So as you yeah. American Tomato, call it. tomato. <laughs> Potato, potato. Um, so have Nike, for example. Right. So Nike have two media teams. Yeah. Um, whether they have them in-house or they outsource it. They have the people who do the long brand, long-term strategic branding mm-hmm. of the company mm-hmm. being, you know, the the high quality athlete ads you see the 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 posters the partnerships with professional yeah. athletes all that sort of stuff and that is like very expensive multi-million dollar campaigns yeah. planned years in advance rolled out over the course of Absolutely. months all these sort of long-term branding awareness yeah. endeavors mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. but the social media aspect of it all super what quick come around is this acknowledgement of like you can't just rely on that anymore. You've got to have, you've got to touch your audience every single day because yeah. you are in the attention yeah. economy. If you don't touch them every single day, then they're going to forget about you and they're going to start focusing on Absolutely. another brand that is. And so Absolutely. they have a second team, which is the social media team. And their job is every single day, release a piece of content. And yeah. it doesn't need to be excellent. It doesn't need to be a multi-billion dollar quality. It just needs to be something so that it's always right. there when people are swiping. Like that's all it is. Yeah, and um, it's funny to that point too. And uh, I'm curious how you got into this and sure, had this mindset. Sure. But I, I remember when I first started the marketing with Pegasus and it was exactly like, okay, pretty picture, post it. There's a bit of a story. Right. It's Here's how we're building it. Like if you, if you scroll way back on Pegasus, you'll see – Sam and I at a farmhouse last year, there'll be photos of us on our laptops. There wasn't really a lot to talk about and we didn't really have a strategy. So that's one of the things that I've realized as I've, you know, gotten to learn and and understand the programs and the cadence and the intention behind it, Mm -hmm. but having a true purpose of, okay, like, yes, you want to be relevant and you yeah. and some people can get away with just posting whatever it is just to be on the top of mind. But I'm trying to be more intentional Absolutely. about what am I putting out there? I almost look at it as like a little commercial, yeah. you know, cause I have five seconds of their intent uh, of their attention yeah. mm. for when they scroll through. So what is the message I'm trying to convey? So I'm curious, like that was kind of my reframing of when I started the Pegasus socials. Right. right. How was it for you? Like, cause you have a, like a proper, background and like yeah. experience and expertise and training and right so and and maybe that's the best place to start actually yeah like what was, how, your, what was your first job what was your first dipping your toe in the in yeah the marketing so, waters so i would say professionally that my first um job getting into it and i'd already acquired like marketing skills growing up essentially just being social, going to these kinds of equestrian events, getting to know people, things like that. Yeah. Um, but really cultivating it in a professional sense was for a local publication. Right. Um, and so I was an editorial and social media assistant. I literally had no experience, again, formal experience. I didn't go to college for it. I actually just graduated with a major um, in international relations. Yeah. So literally nothing to do with marketing. You're yeah. well-rounded. Um, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I, I try. I try. But, but, um, it's, but, it, but, it, but it just goes to show, and we'll get into this later, but like it just goes to show that, and this isn't like a slight against you, but like it just goes to show that how many businesses in the equestrian industry aren't professionalized in this area. Uh, the fact that they hired you with no experience and with an international relations degree means they themselves probably didn't understand what they were hiring you for. They were like, right. we just need know, something. Though, but I don't know. They saw your work. And that's, and that's right, what I was getting right. to with the mm. hunt country boys. Like, I guess what, where I was getting to that too is, did you put that up there as a marketing of yourself before you? Yeah. 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 So, oh, right. so okay. yeah. right. You, you both are um, correct in, in ways in the sense that 
Um, again, I had no formal experience at all. And I didn't really know until really a few months ago that this was absolutely indefinitely what I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, but after my first position there as the sort of editorial assistant, um, I did start the Hunt Country Boy account uh, last August. And I really was just doing it for fun as like a lifestyle account, like not really knowing what was going to come of it. And right. then here almost a year later started my own LLC um, due to recognition that I got in the community uh, sort of picking up clients. That's actually how great meadow found me um, as well as hard equestrian. And a number of my other clients was just literally like me engaging with them online yeah. and them seeing my feed and being like, Oh, okay. He's a local. He like knows what's happening. He's genuinely interested in the community and our mission and things like that. And so it, it was very organic. Um, and again, that didn't require any schooling for me. It just felt right. And did you legitimately like purposely try with the hunt country boy or was it, was it like a passive like thing that you enjoyed doing and, and, and you just found out you, you, you found it easy to keep posting cause you're yeah. enjoying it. Or were you like, because like anyone who runs a social media channel, seriously, it's a lot of work. It's like it work. is, you don't yeah, just, you yeah. don't just casually start one and it blows up. Like you've got to actively try. Right, so right. are you actively trying at I, this point? I was actively trying, but it didn't feel like it. And okay. by that, I mean, uh, you enjoyed the process. That I was enjoying it. Yeah. And um, again, it felt organic, but I was also taking some of the tools that I learned um, in that position at the publication just on my personal account. And so I already enjoyed taking photos like, pretty pictures. Great. Love that. Yeah. Um, and I didn't really know again, what was going to come of it. And then, you know, as I started thinking more about like reaching out to brands or them reaching out to me, I was like, oh, okay, like this is where it's headed. Like I need to take it more seriously and actually be aware of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now I would say that there's a thousand percent more intention behind it yeah. and like the language and the branding of like captions and like how I present myself online. And certainly with Cardinal, it'll be like a very different, um, aesthetic and feel even from my personal account. So, um, definitely like today, now that I've picked up more clients and I know that this is what I want to do, there's a lot more intention, but before it really was, it was just like kind of for fun. Yeah. Right. So I know that sounds like most people are like, really? Like he's lying, but I'm like, no, like actually like, yeah, it's just, just, <laughs> it just cool. You're, I mean, you're talented and you have a passion for it. Yeah, so I think yeah. that that's also something that I think, I think you can have all the tools that you need to create the post and you might be able to get the captions and put it out there. But ultimately you have to have that driving right. passion of like, this is what I'm trying to get people to get inspired to take action or just do something with the brand. Yeah, yeah. So, and that, and that's also where you can come into play too, right. where you can be that passion behind the brand to do that work for the brand. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So and I, that's, that's really what's critical is being passionate about the clients you're taking on. And again, when I say that I wasn't taking the hunt country boy account seriously and that it felt organic, it, it is, as you said, just because I was like passionate about it because I wanted to do it because I love our mm-hmm. community. And now with the clients that I have picked up, uh, at, at Cardinal, um, I've realized that again, that passion needs to continue. And I just need to share that passion with everybody that I pick up because at the end of the day, I do my best work when I'm passionate about, 
um, the clients I'm working with. It's nice to be able to pick up um, the clients that I really want to work with and that I'm excited about because I do my best Mm -hmm. and I care about them and I'm passionate about their mission and wanting them to succeed. And I think oftentimes in marketing, but also just in life, regardless of industry, there are people who, um, and I know that some of it is circumstantial, but they will pick up jobs that they aren't passionate about and they don't really have a reason to stay at. And I just never understood that. I'm like, no, like I want to care about what I'm doing. Like yeah. it feels good. Yeah. So um, yeah, I've been very fortunate with, with all of that. Hey, are you an equestrian event organizer looking to put on your next clinic or schooling show? Pegasus is about to release its new event management system, which is a modern platform that makes it easy to accept entry registrations, receive digital signatures for your event paperwork, as well as manage the logistics and scheduling of your event. You can even digitally showcase your vendors and sponsors so that brands have much better visibility than the traditional logo on a fence. Pegasus has made it easy to run an event from start to finish with features designed for everyone involved, especially the riders, who can now easily register and receive real-time updates. Gone are the days of running your event through Facebook or tech from the 90s. Check out the launch of the Pegasus event management system at www thepegasus.app that is www.thepegasus.app well going back to that too because you do you're like you're a a hunt country lifer yeah yeah born and bred so yeah tell us about that yeah so i um am super local um started getting involved again when i was younger uh, going to Great Meadows polo events and Virginia Gold Cup, which is always really fun. Hmm. Um, it really is. So fun. It, they do such an exceptional job of bringing the crowd. I, yeah. I learned about it when I was living in D.C. Yeah. And they just did such a great job of getting all the D.C. people on buses. <laughs> and that that was the events that you look forward to. Yeah. The buses and the drinks and watch Oh, I watched it. Right. Most of our friends right. weren't watching it. Oh, I was watching. There's it. there's other things going on. Exactly. So, um, but no, it's it's like a great event. I mean, it's the largest steeplechase in the Commonwealth, so that's incredible. It's, I mean, aside from technically uh, Middlebrook Spring races, which I think actually started a year before Gold Cup. So technically, we aren't the oldest, um, but it's always a fun event. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and so again, growing up to like going to all of those events, going to all the local restaurants, coffee shops, just like small local businesses, um, really fostered and cultivated this appreciation for supporting local businesses, small businesses, um, which I know we will get into kind yeah. of about, <laughs> about how to, uh, frame that as, you know, entrepreneurial efforts, but, um, yeah, just love my community. So that's yeah, I'm a, a hunt country lifer. Yeah, but so. you went, to, but you went to GW or sorry, G- George Mason. Uh, George Mason, yeah, the yes. George. Yeah, yeah. so yeah, George. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I uh, graduated from Wakefield School in the Plains in 2017. I thought I wanted to be an architect, um, so I went. When did that change? Uh, after one semester, <laughs> after one semester, I was like, "Oh, this is was, actually quite a boring job." I was like, "I'm in a, a rat-infested studio space in the basement. This is not where I want to be up in cold, chilly Boston." So, 
Um, I quickly came back home and I have been home ever since. <laughs> um, but no, it's, it's great. And uh, I mean, it was definitely an experience. And I think it's also a testament to just like the eye you have to have in marketing. Um, initially thinking I wanted to be an architect, um, but also just my interests in like fashion and art and all these other things is mm. really, it, it takes a creative eye in marketing um, to, again, convey what your client wants in a beautiful artistic way. Yeah. Like something that's interesting and engaging to look at. Um, so yeah, I did, did all that and then uh, came back and I just finished my time at George Mason a month ago um, in international relations, which was always something that I also wanted to do. Right. So, yeah. And, and I think it's fair to say now that marketing won out over the career in government and it, geopolitics. It certainly did. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it certainly did. And I, I was thinking, um, about sort of next steps and where I wanted to go and just seeing how quickly this has taken off and really flourished. Like I'm a firm believer that the universe sends whatever, if you want to call it, I don't know, signs or whatever, um, good vibes, good energy. I feel like everything happens for a reason. Mm -hmm. And that was taking off. Marketing was taking off. I had more and more people suggesting on almost a daily basis, why don't you start your own business? This is going so well. You're going to pick up so many more clients. And I was like, oh, you know, maybe. And then I I was getting down to the wire with graduation and nothing was really sticking out to me in DC. And I was interviewing with former ambassadors and, um, you know, government think tanks and all that. And I like, I was just overwhelmed. I was like, oh, this is so broad. Like, did I don't it know excite you at all? Did, did was, that career path like it, interest it, you? It was exciting. Um, but also like, I don't know, it's, it's a little stressful because with international relations, specifically with my minor, which is international security, mm-hmm. we kind of talked about like the end of the world on a daily basis, which is not always like a fun thing to talk about. Right. So <laughs> I'm like, Oh, do I, do I want to do this the rest of my life? Probably That's not. That's so funny. Now your job is basically, how do we grow and flourish? Yeah, and the other instead would be of like, like well, how, how, yeah, it's like, all right, well, there's no point here. So, yeah, uh... yeah. Like, so it, very, very different, but I mean, still very interesting. Um, and definitely a lot of moving parts to IR in government that I Mm. respect like completely, um, and certainly still have a passion for it, but, uh, yeah, marketing is a very different pursuit. Did you ever have any writing time when you were, you know, going to the great meadow? Cause you're so involved in every equestrian endeavor out here. Right. And I'm just shocked that you're not. I know. You know, you're not know. out on the polo field too. I know. Well, pe- people ask me that too all the time. And um, as fun as it would be to be a jockey, I'm way too tall. Um, <laughs> so that would never work out. Um, but in terms of like the other equestrian disciplines, I did briefly ride. Uh, the barn I went to ultimately didn't really stick with um, just because of like scheduling conflicts mm. and things like that with mm. the barn owner trainer at the time. What kind of riding? Um, it was, well, I was doing some, some jump jumping. Yeah. Um, okay. and there are, there's, there's photo and video evidence. That's okay, not very pretty. Yeah. Um, it's actually really embarrassing. Um, but, uh, I, I still, you know, I dipped my toes in the water. I like yeah. tried it for probably about a year. And then that's when I went off to college and I just never picked it back up. But yeah. I've always had such an appreciation and love for 
the equestrian world and the equestrian lifestyle growing up in this area that for me it like I I don't partake in it but I just love it. Well, I think like, you so much. I think you can come in with such a huge strength because you're outside of it looking in and you have the passion and the interest and the knowledge yeah. and the expertise to be yeah. like okay this is what we can do this is what I can do what should be done to help grow and market your right. equestrian business without being so what what is it you can't see the tr- you can't see the trees when you're in the forest can't see the woods of the trees or that one yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so it's I, I think it's a huge strength actually and I think that's yeah. also where Sam can you know you can speak to that too having not been in the equestrian world and building a tech platform well, was, as to yeah. what makes sense from uh, you know a lover of tech a builder of tech a great user experience a great marketing right yeah with, it's it's um without just doing what everyone else is doing yeah it's yeah. interesting we kind of have similar backgrounds in a sense kind of not really but in the sense of like my my traditional trainings in geopolitics and stuff so right right all my studies are in uh, international relations international <laughs> security and then i worked in it for eight years wow um and then had a flourishing writing career. Right? I had a flourishing writing career. <laughs> no. he, did, he did not. And then, <laughs> I, and then I, and then now I'm in the equestrian world as right. well. But it's interesting. There does seem to be a um, there does seem to be a lot of new businesses coming into the equestrian economy from people who are there to enable it, as yeah. opposed to riders who are now creating businesses to survive. So it almost yeah. the equestrian economy also, almost seems seems to be split between like three three groups, which is like you've got the riders who are passionate about riding and start riding related businesses or maybe like boarding barns or boarding, training. Boarding barns or training. Or maybe even like they just they're so they're so sick of one piece of equipment that decided to start their own like product line. Right. For right. like they designed their own unique piece of equipment and they're selling that one unique piece of equipment or American dolls. Do- yeah, yeah, exactly right. <laughs> I, I um, listened to that podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or and then the then the second category is kind of like where we fit in and you fit in, which right. is there are more um, younger entrepreneurial semi tech, if not full technology platforms coming out that kind of serve the industry to make it more efficient to expand the community all that sort of stuff yeah and then the third part that is essentially just like your legacy brands so the pharmaceutical companies that sell drugs to you know help horses or large feed companies or large apparel companies etc yeah they kind of seem to be the three verticals that are all feeding into the equestrian economy. Yeah, that kind of make the equestrian economy go round. And, and I would put everything like competitions and stuff in that first bucket yeah. of like horse-related businesses. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I agree um, with you, Jen, that like it helps to be an outsider. And I actually think it's such a strength because sometimes, and nobody likes <laughs> to admit this, but sometimes when you are really passionate about something that you do, like a rider, if you ride you can be very protective of that and maybe not always um, willing to accept critique or not even critique, just but feedback. just help. Yeah. And, you know, you, you think you know what's best for you and maybe you do. But I think a lot of people in the equestrian world can and uh, now are continuing to benefit from sort of an outside 
perspective and just yeah. an outside appreciation for what they do. Yeah. And that's really all it is. It's, it's not trying to, you know, infringe upon the equestrian world by any means. It's literally to say, okay, well, I, I love what you're doing. I think it's amazing. Like I want to support in any way that I can. Yeah. It, it will be interesting as, um, cause it, I mean, there's no stopping more companies like, your company and our right. company coming into the industry. If anything, it's only just going to be more companies like us coming into Absolutely. the industry, right? Yeah. And it's going to be interesting to see how increasingly uh, the more traditional equestrian economy personalities and businesses respond to it. And I say that because, like, you can either get upset by it and be like, "Oh, it's changing." Yeah. Like, you don't really you you never rode, and therefore, like. But you I know, did. You don't. Yeah, you, did. you actually <laughs> you rode. Did, you actually rode. But like, I'll give you someone, some lessons, yeah. Connor. Someone yeah. like me who you know didn't like. You can either be upset with us and be like, you don't really understand. Like, you're right. not from our world, sort of thing. And it's a sport, right? So yeah. athletes in sports are, you know, there is understandably a sense of, you know, if well, if you don't participate in the sport, then like you don't really get a say in what the sport does. Yeah. But right. at the same time, like if you have people coming in who are experts at this one thing that you're not an expert at, but is beneficial to you, Mm -hmm. if you're open-minded and smart, you'd be like, Oh, fantastic. Yeah. I've got an expert to outsource it to, or an expert to learn from. To make this part of what I'm doing even better. And you're not a competitor coming in to try and beat me. Fantastic. (laughs) I think that there's a lot of outdated and kind of um, maybe just older companies out there. And I don't want to say that they've, like taking advantage of the status quo, but they're they're profiting from the status quo. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. And yeah. so, you know, to have a disruptor come in, if you will, like yeah. I, would, I would consider you, I'd consider us. There's some other entities out there too. And a fresh face. A fresh, <laughs> a fresh face. Yeah. And so that can be scary when you have roots in the ground and you haven't evolved with the times. Absolutely. Yeah. And and it's like anything, you know, I mean, more, I mean, the presence of companies like us will probably spur them into action because if 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 you if you if you've been benefiting benefiting from the status quo and the status quo starts to change you've got two options you either fight mm-hmm. to maintain your your market share or you don't, and then you get disrupted and superseded. You're a blockbuster. Yeah, exactly. Which yeah. we'll all think of fondly, but oh yeah, it's Netflix. <coughs> yep, yep. So speaking of speaking of like technology and disrupting, etc. Right. So we've talked about the fact that actually just like creating a post and mm-hmm. making it look pretty is a lot harder yeah. than one thinks, and it's a lot harder when you're trying to align that to a brand and a message right. and an intention. So what are some of the, what is this, what are some of the steps and um, planning and technology behind that, that to the average person who runs a boarding barn or is a trainer and just thinks that Instagram is posting photos and changing filters with tags, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. what is the difference between that sort of Instagrammer and someone who is actually using professional strategy, training and know-how? Absolutely. Yeah. I I think for, professional strategy, there's so much that goes into it. Um, like you said, if it's a smaller account and, um, you're only using it for, you know, posting to your friends, then there might not be that much thought that goes into it. But one of the first things that I always do before I even take on a client is to have an initial conversation with them about, 
where their brand or their business has been, where they want to go, their mission, where they see themselves in a year or two or three down the line, um, and how I can be a part of that. Because it's really critical to have a clear vision for yourself and not to go into something like that blind because Mm -hmm. you want to have a story that you're sharing. You want to have a very specific branding and messaging that you share with everybody that makes sense, that doesn't jump around, that it's very clear, concise to the point. Um, So that's one of the things that I always try to understand upfront is where are my clients coming from? Uh, where do they see themselves going? And, you know, then other questions like other details about color schemes, aesthetics, um, other inspo accounts that they like to pull from, yeah. and all these other things, who they want to have partnerships, who they maybe don't want to have partnerships, or how we can begin to have conversations with other like-minded accounts, brands, um, event spaces, things like that, uh, that is going to be a benefit to them in the long term. Yeah. Um, so that is always really critical and that's always in the back of my mind. And I would say marketing is just 99% pre-planning. Yeah. Um, it's the The picture on Instagram is like the final product of like 10 hours of work. Oh, like literally everything that I post is pre-planned. Yeah. Almost, almost nothing is spontaneous. spontaneous. I would say that's, there's a difference between spontaneous and organic content for sure. Um, but almost nothing is spontaneous. It's, there's always like a purpose and there are always so much going on behind the scenes that people don't know until it's out. You know what I yeah. mean? Like there's a project underway with so many of my clients right now, but people aren't going to see it for like a month, two months, three months from now. So that's why I would say my job is just 99% effective pre-planning and everything that I do. Right. Do you use, um, let's take, well, talk us through quickly the main social media distribution channels that you use Mm -hmm. and then how you use the, like, do you, do you see the different channels as serving a different purpose routinely or does it change client to client? It does change client to client. Um, Some clients, they want the same pictures across all social media platforms from Instagram to Facebook to Snapchat, Pinterest, YouTube, you name it. Snapchat's still a thing. Oh, Snapchat. Yeah. Wow. It's still still a thing. Not, I I wouldn't say that there's actually any clients of mine that do currently use that, although I know of, I know of several, uh, several brands that do. Um, just making sure I wasn't missing out on a platform. I don't even have that. <laughs> I guess TikTok has just taken over. So maybe that's a more fitting okay. one. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, for some of them, it's like the same, same content across all those platforms. For other ones, they have very different audiences, um, you know, depending on the platform that they're using. For Facebook, it might be an older audience that they're catering to, excuse me, or um, an audience that is only interested in Facebook events, which I still think Facebook is a really great place to post events and uh, press releases and other more sort of formal things that you're doing um, with your audience. So for a lot of clients, Facebook is a little bit different. Um, Instagram is obviously a younger generation. We want to see a mix up of content from reels to carousels to videos to stories to you know you name it yeah um so generally, and do you use those differently like oh yeah like as in how how would you describe the the 
the the mo the best value you get out of your grid versus your reels versus your stories. I I kind of throw it all in there together and just try to use a healthy mix of all of it. Yeah. Um, I think it's important for every business entrepreneur mm-hmm. to do that because if you're not using a healthy mix, chances are people aren't going to be as engaged in what you're selling or what you're putting out there. Yeah. Right. Um, and people also just like really love reels and videos nowadays. Those yeah. tend yeah. to do like super well. Yeah. Um, so lots of my clients have kind of like pushed towards that or a lot of them for uh hard equestrian and great meadow, they had never done any reels before I came on. And then we started making that a fairly regular uh, kind of, of medium that we used and it's, it's taken off. Do you double down on a certain medium when you find out like, wow, people are really responding on Facebook or they're really responding on reels or do you still kind of keep it, you know, distributed evenly across all different channels? And do you mean, um, like the kind of medium or like the calls to action in a post? Um, I guess just the type of content that you're putting out. And the reason I ask is, so we, primarily at this point in time, in addition to our email marketing, we do Facebook and Instagram. Right. We haven't done much on TikTok yet. A little bit on no. YouTube. That's yeah. Which is just showing our age. Like, right. Like, it's interesting. Like the, the mistake that Jen and I make, and we know we make this mistake and we're not doing enough to fix it, fix it is right. that we use the tools that our generation grew up on. Right. Assuming right. that our audience are using the tools that we like. Right. When well, it's not actually the reality, right? It, I mean, it, it well, might it, be the it case, might be, but, but it's not it, also but, not right. always. What right. I've realized, though, is that a lot of our our clients, our customers, our, our, the people that we're trying to, you know, bring over to Pegasus are actually yeah. on Facebook. Yeah. Like they're, they're yeah. in the dozens and, and, and hundreds. And they're from South of France. Shout out to I, South of France. <laughs> you want to know who you I are. love me. There's three people every week in the South of France oh who listen goodness. to our podcast. Hi guys. I would yeah. love it if you yeah. wrote to us and told us who you were. Please write I, to I us. I can't, can't speak French, but I love French food. So <laughs> that, that I love a good me. croissant, but that's, oh, yes. that's a story for another yes. day. So, so, um, yeah, the, the types of mediums, like, I, I feel like what this kind of goes back to also what you were talking about, Jen, with last year at Pegasus, you said you didn't have a lot to, uh, catch up on. And I think one of the things that was very insightful about last year during COVID was it really was kind of a make or break time for a lot of like social media personalities, celebrities, marketing professionals, people trying to find creative outlets to like share what they were doing during the kind of weird downtime that we had. Did you yeah. make banana bread too? I did make banana bread. Me too? It actually was horrible. Um, but I'm sure, I'm sure if I try to get so it, it would be Jen's. much better. I know it was. But it tasted good. It looked horrible. Oh but that God. was a, that was a social media thing. Yeah, you it know? was more That's... of an audio report on the marketing as opposed to a visual report. Right. Yes. That's, yes. That, I mean, sometimes that's the way with baked goods though. Yeah. Like I know I'm going off on a tangent and we might cut this. I don't know. But, um, <laughs> we shouldn't. But uh, like 
baked goods, I feel like they can look horrible, but if they taste good, you don't care. Yeah, absolutely. They're just like, yeah. yeah. Just throw some so, cream on it. Oh, but that's the thing with what's so amazing about social media is it can look so good online. So to your point about how were people staying relevant last year, it was right. all these random, well, you're at home and nothing to do or yeah. nowhere to go. And you want to eat a lot of food. Like I want to eat a lot of food because what else can we right. do to entertain ourselves? So <laughs> our, our big night of entertaining last year when we were starting Pegasus, we were at, we were at a farmhouse in Farmville, Virginia. And the, the big night out was going to Walmart. Literally. Like Literally. For me, it was like going to the gas station to get groceries. <laughs> like it was, it was a sad day for me. Let me tell you. But like that, you're right. It like, it prompted like not only creativity uh, from a marketing standpoint, but also I think it made all of us appreciate everything so much more. Absolutely. I know for me, I like go to restaurants now and I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is the best thing ever. Like, why did I ever <laughs> take this for granted? But um, I, again, I think, you know, just to summarize that point, I think last year was just so eye-opening for a number of reasons. And it was kind of, again, that was when I started the Hunt Country Boy. Because yeah. Really? I, yeah. yeah. It was, was last August, you know, it was, everything felt slow. I was like, I just wanted to like do something exciting. Like I know I'm not doing a lot. You had something yearning inside of you. You had to get out. I know. It really, I was going, I was going stir crazy. It was, it was gas station can only entertain for so long. And then you just, so many Red Bulls you can drink. Oh my gosh. Well, yeah. And then you start to regret it. Um, (laughs) But uh, no, it really was eye opening. And I think it prompted a lot of people to get creative with, what they were showing on social media, on personal accounts, but also um, small businesses and entrepreneurs, it kind of forced them to take a step back and say, okay, like, how can I continue to engage with my audience and my followers during this time that everything's like flipped upside down? Yeah. Um, so I, I'm, I'm not surprised. Like, I think, I think behind the scenes uh, do very well. I think videos do very well. I think now kind of, almost maybe directly as a result of the craziness that went on last year with COVID is why reels and TikTok is a thing. Like, I feel like people want to feel like they're connected to the people behind these kinds of accounts. And I think you can do that with pictures, but I think um, behind the scenes content does well. I think reels do really well. So again, I think for, for Pegasus and for, um, you know, my clients, certainly that's like what I always try to push is just a healthy balance. We were literally talking about this today. So, and I've talked to you about this before, but for me, like, I think the, the number one, um, the number one example in the world of content creation is the CrossFit community, because that was yes. like what I used to do. Yes. But I was listening to a podcast today while I was at the gym and then continued to listen to it when driving around doing like buying groceries and stuff. And at the gas it was station. literally like <laughs> three, it was literally like three prominent CrossFit personalities for like two hours, just talking shit, like mm-hmm. nothing that entertaining, nothing that yeah. great, yeah. but because that community have spent the last six years creating YouTube videos right. where you like, they shows their training session. It shows them at home, like sitting around having TV and what they mm-hmm. eat for meals and yeah. hanging out together. Mm-hmm. You feel like you know them yeah. because like yeah. when they, when they, when they say, Oh yeah, I was at home today. And um, you know, my girlfriend, Sammy, like, yeah, she gets up early. Like I know what Sammy looks like. I yeah. know what their house looks like. So I can see that. So it actually feels like when you're listening to a podcast, even though it's boring as hell, 
it feels like you're at the table with these three people just hanging out and having a right. conversation. Right. And like it goes so far to making content um, engaging the more you know and feel like you know the people who are actually talking. Absolutely. Because you care and you can envision it and you can see it and you like you know their mannerisms. So you can when they when they make that laugh, you can like you know what that laugh kind of looks like when it comes out of the right. even though it's just yeah. an audio right. format like a podcast. Yeah. 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 Do um so to that point too, because the way that I've been handling managing the the Instagram part of Pegasus Marketing and, and tell me yeah. for some tips and tricks. So sure, sure. the way that I've been having it framed in my mind is okay, I'm gonna publish about what's happening on the platform. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna publish about what we're building. So yeah. it's you know, here's some components of the app. Here are some new features that are getting released. And then the third are these greater industry updates that kind of connect all the different disciplines and break down the silos. But then on stories, and this is where I'm curious about your your feedback too, is like- You're on the spot here now. This this to me is like a more behind the scenes of like, you know, I'll post about what we're, you know, Connor is in the studio and, you know, Chloe's out running by the barn and just yeah. To to really put a face behind the brand. Yeah. Is that a good I, way I to think, think about it? I think the more, and you know, I think that's, it's it's great to to separate it like that as well. But I think even putting um, more personal behind the scenes things in your feed is even great too. Like I think the more the better. Um, and I know a lot of people can be uncomfortable with that. Um, I know a lot of my clients have been uncomfortable with that and kind of reluctant to put themselves out there because they feel like either they don't have anything interesting to say or they don't want to come across as unprofessional, right? Unprofessional or, um, you know, I guess people think that if you post a picture of yourself, you're conceited or, you know, things like that. So they have reservations about it. But I think what a lot of my clients have seen is over time they've opened up to it and they've realized, okay, people actually are interested Mm. in what I'm doing. Like they aren't thinking that I'm conceited for posting a picture of myself behind the scenes at this cool thing. Like people want to know what you're doing. And I think, I think it's great. uh, Also, you know, touching on our point with Nike and with these other um, larger sort of commercial brands and things like that, it's great to have a final product out there, but if there's no like lead up to how it got released, like the planning that went into it, like people want to know all that cool stuff. Cause there's, there's behind the scenes months, months and months of like work that goes into it. And so that's why, um, from, from great Meadows specifically, but also from the hunt country boy accounts, I try to kind of tease what I'm doing and tag people um, who I'm truly honored. With. And I'm very, I'm very good at that. I think everybody knows that I go kind of tag crazy, but I think it's also like a testament to just like being engaged in our community. It, it helps. So what I would say is, um, that's an interesting point though. It, it, yeah. It's something that seems so little, you have 20 tags available, right? Right. right. But those, you're one of those 20 yeah. people that you thought of. Right. So when I get a tag from Connor, I'm just, I mean, Sam knows, I'm gushing. So. <laughs> well, happy to do it. We love, we love Pegasus. So. But, but back to that story point, it's, it's so true in the sense of, if you think about any documentary that yeah. you watch, 
like whether it's a documentary on Netflix about the Rubik's Cube World Championships, like they that don't is just oddly they specific, don't, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or like you know a documentary about whatever, right, yeah. right. They right. don't just show the World Championships. Yeah. Like ninety five percent of the documentary yeah. is the the background of the competitors, their training leading up to it, interviewing their parents, asking them like, what do you think about this? Do you think there's pressure on your kid? All that sort of stuff, so that when the event actually occurs, you actually care. Yeah, well, that's, like, and, and yeah. that's and like and and that just comes down to the fact that humans inherently just like we need stories. Like most people's minds yeah. think in stories, yeah. right? And and everybody wants somebody or a business or a brand or a nonprofit to root for. Um, like you said, if if you're only showing the final product, you aren't seeing all the hard work that went into it. Um, and you aren't having that very personal experience of, again, all the planning and the hard work and dedication that it took to get there. Yeah. You're only seeing the final result and it's like, okay, well, great. But right. like, where, where was all the lead up to that? Where was the excitement? Where were the stories and posts and pictures? And, you know, where, where was all that hard work that's like that's missing? Um, so that's why I, I think especially over COVID when people started sharing more organic things, videos behind the scenes, like just being more relatable and authentic, people opened up more because people relate to that. Like you said, it's like a documentary or a, a movie. Like, yeah. why do you care about those characters? Because you know their backstory. Yeah, so yeah. it's the same thing with a brand. And that's why before I take on a client, I sit down, I want to understand the brand's mission, mm. who they are, why they're doing what they're doing. Um, and most of my clients, I'm blessed to say that I have a very like personal relationship with the owners of those businesses. Yeah. Like I get along with them on a personal level, like very well. I love socializing with them, like going out for drinks or happy hour or whatever. Like it's just, mm. it's great. It's, and it's important too, for me, uh, because it helps me better understand and better represent them. Yeah. And it's not, again, it's not just a job. It's, it's because I care. Yeah. So. For for those that are hesitant on putting themselves out there because yeah. they don't want to put themselves out. Yeah. What do you tell them? What advice do you give them? I, I try to be understanding, but I also, I gently push them. You know, I, I know it's hard to open up, but if you can convince them to do like, I don't know, answer, answer questions. Generally, typically I'll start with like quotes. I'll be like, okay, like, can you give me a quote on this thing that you're doing? Like one or two sentences. Like, I just, I want to hear your voice when you're talking about this new project that I'm marketing for you. Like, why is it exciting? Why should I care? So I love getting quotes kind of starting there. It helps create a little bit of a, a personal connection and just a different voice also for the audience. Um, which will is you always tie that interesting. In with something, or how will you take their voice into like an account into a, a right? Post? So, so uh, it might be um, behind the scenes. It might be a picture from a photo shoot with them in it, or um, and then the voiceover th- on top, things of that nature. And you might do the voiceover on top. You might write that quote in the caption, uh, put it up on the story. Um, anything just to get the sort of personal feel and aspect there. I understand that a lot of clients, they don't want to go on camera right away, but if you can get like a picture of them, baby steps, a story here and there, a quote, um, 
then they they tend to be more receptive to it over yeah. time. So it is it's a work in progress. But I I think that they do see the value in it over time. Another way of looking at it is um there's a like the king of social media marketing is a guy called Gary Vaynerchuk. Right. You know Gary, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. he's a huge uh purporter of just putting out content that is quick and fast as opposed to good looking content that's yeah. slow and very special, right? Because yeah. he's like, people don't really care about the quality. They just care about keeping up to date with the people they care about or the brands they care about and what they're doing. Right. And the other thing he said is that, and, and the, that, and following that line of thought, if you can, if you can believe in that and you can trust that, then you don't create content. You just document. So Absolutely. it's easier to document than to create content because creating content means you have to actually sit down and think about it. You have to plan it. You have to perfect it, et cetera. Where if you just document content, you can snap and take and, make, and say, this is what we're doing today. And you can just yeah. pump, you can pump out content yeah. a lot quicker. But Absolutely. I think, I think the difference though in that space would be if you're, if it's a person and right. you are, you are the brand, mm. yeah. then I think then you can just put out stuff. Cause yeah, you are, you're selling yourself. So you have to yeah. be constantly letting people know what you're doing. If you're say you're a prominent rider, people love that behind the scenes, authentic stuff. There's no right. way that the like Olympians that I follow are, are really taking the time to curate their content. Like Connor is for a brand or like, you know, what we're doing for Pegasus. So yeah, I, I think if you're like a prominent writer that's trying to get your name out there and just, you know, become more relevant in the equestrian world, just document it because people are fascinated by it. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Any, anytime I like literally over the winter, I would just go on drives just to go on drives and get pretty pictures of like scenery because I had nothing else to do. Um, I was tired of the gas stations. <laughs> and um, I was just like, you know what, let me just go out, take a pretty picture of a barn or a dirt road or just something that was pretty to look at and interesting, yeah. but also organic. Um, I, I think a lot of the work that goes into marketing is the content creation or um, just acquiring it and compiling it all whether that's sort of spur of the moment or something that is more pre-planned, but that's always the the hardest part, I think, is to get a picture that's engaging and cool to look at yeah. rather than, um, you know, again, something that isn't. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so for, we kind of touched on this a bit. When we, we started talking about tools, we were talking about like Facebook right. and Instagram and stuff. Right. But- until you actually sit down and start thinking about marketing seriously and start treating it seriously as a job or a profession or a skill set, you don't understand that the way people are creating all these great marketing campaigns, et cetera, is by using these tools that you basically pay a subscription to each month. That's yeah. like an online digital tool that you yeah. can access. So it makes a lovely tax write off. I would <laughs> highly recommend it. <laughs> I second that. Yeah. No, so, they are, they're expensive. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what's an example of a, um, like, do you just want to pull the curtain back on that a bit sure. so that, um, people can start to think about, Oh, well, if I really do want to yeah. take my Instagram account for my training business to the next level, absolutely, I don't need to hire a professional Photoshop yeah. expert, yeah. I could probably learn to do this myself by learning a tool that's quite easy a to learn and use. Absolutely. There's, um, gosh, there's like a million different programs I use. It just depends on 
on what it is uh, for photo editing, like Lightroom and Photoshop. Great. I think everybody pretty much knows that those are the the big two to use. Um, but in terms of like social media planning, um, I think doing your research is important. There's a number of different programs out there. Um, the one that I use is Planoly, which I have found is like extremely user-friendly Yeah, and um, it's great. You can kind of pick how many accounts you want uh, to manage. Um, and then you pay like a, an annual or a monthly subscription if, if you'd rather do that. Um, but just explain a bit more detail what it actually is. Oh, what, what plan? I know is. what you're saying, but they, yeah. They won't so, know what you're saying. so what, what you're doing, um, for something like that. And there's also planning that goes into like story posts and things like that. But for, for social media feed posts for like Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, um, Planoly lets you drag in photos that you want to use. It can be your own photos, uh, that you've taken yourself or hired a photographer to do in the past. It can be from your portfolio. It can be, um, your, you know, photos that you take with your phone or also like, I love using other people's photos from other accounts and giving them photo credits because that way you're engaging with them. You're letting them know that you like their posts and their pictures and you're happy to reshare it, but also like use it in your own context, Mm -hmm. um, for like an event that you have coming up or whatever it might be. So Planoly lets you compile all those photos schedule them, draft them, write all the captions in, the tags, the hashtags, uh, all that. It It is essential in pre-planning. Especially when you have so many accounts like what you Absolutely. do. Yeah. yeah. And so yeah. just to hit that point home for the listeners, so what this what these tools kind of allow you to do is that, say, for example, you are a trainer and you have a training business and you know that between – um, you know that between 5 a.m. and 8 p.m. Monday to Saturday that you are going to be flat out and the last thing you're going to feel like doing is coming back and then yeah. sitting down and creating social media posts. That yeah. sounds like you, all you want to do is like crack a beer or have a glass of wine <laughs> and like watch like two hours of Netflix yeah. and like chill out and go yeah. to bed. You probably don't even want to talk to your husband. You're probably just like, don't talk to me. I just need to <laughs> Anyway, um, and uh, something like Planoly, what it allows you to do is it means that when you do have the energy on your one day off for two hours on Sunday morning, you can basically create a week's worth of social media posts yep. and then basically schedule or them more. to be like, I want them to release on every morning at 8 a.m. I want it to post and then I'll just automatically post them yep. so that you can plan ahead. You can build your social media strategy into the routine that works for you. And so that you can actually build a social media strategy without it derailing your life. And a strategy, but also um, just really critical in like laying out your feed post and seeing what it's going to look like before it ever goes out is yeah. great. And that's always something clients want to see because they get excited and they want to see that, oh, this is like my brand. Like this is the direction I'm headed in. Like it's really exciting. And so they love to see that. And that's always, I mean, really again, in this attention economy, that's one of the first things people look at is, is this feed pretty? Like, yeah, it's the quilt. What do I feel when I look at it? Like, do I want to follow them? Yeah. Is it, is it not interesting content? So that always really excites clients. It's a cover of a book. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's the book cover. Yeah. Exactly. Um, 
Yeah, I, I found that to be extraordinarily helpful. And I'm curious what your your time is like divvied up on because you still yeah, have to yeah. plan it, you have to create it, you have to write about it, right. you have to schedule it and, and what makes sense when. So yeah. do you have like, you know, like an 80, 10, 10 rule or something where you have a certain allocation of time dedicated to certain things? Right. So, so for me, um, I guess I offer a range of different services for my clients. Some require more of a social media presence and some require less. Um, some don't even want social media. They just want other sort of marketing tasks, which I also offer. But um, depending on which service you want, aka the frequency of posts that you want to go out, the frequency of stories and what your goals are, if your goal is growth and engagement, um, you need a post every day at least. And if you're not doing that, um, and you're not tagging people and using hashtags and a number of other tricks, then you're not really going to grow. Um, is two a day uncouth or two a day? I honestly, I know some people, they don't like two a day. I don't, (laughs) I don't mind it, especially if you have a lot going on and a lot to share and a lot of events or projects. I think that's great. Okay. Um, it's it's really about finding like the right time of day to post some, sometimes they work better, like at the, in the morning. And then sometimes in the afternoon, generally, if there's two posts a day, I'll do like my first one at 10 and then another one like mid afternoon yeah, or something like that. You like, want to, you, know, you want to spread it out. Yeah. If they are at an office job, you know, that three, you know, three o'clock slump, yeah. they're getting a coffee, they're checking their Instagram. Exactly. It's perfect time to exactly. get some content. I, I know this goes without saying, but, just because it, I think it helps you helps people frame the way they think about this sort of thing. But the if you, the reason you post daily when we talk about the attention economy, right? Mm, yeah, it, it used to be the case that in like the nineties and two thousands and early teens, um, the big way that people used to spend money on internet advertising was like Google search words, etc. Right? Right. Which right. basically means well, that's basically capitalizing on and why people made so much money. Uh, by creating digital agency businesses that took advantage of that and were specialists at buying those Google search words, et cetera. Right. Well, it was based on this theory that people, buyers had intention to buy and they were already searching. Mm-hmm. Where these days, um, that's quite rare. And so instead, people aren't looking to buy right now. So you need to be top of mind yeah. when they do get the urge to buy. Yeah. So they don't go to Google anymore. They go back to their safe posts in Instagram. They yeah. go back to like their safe posts on Facebook. Absolutely. They like, etc. So it's about the reason you have to maintain this daily basis and thus maintain their attention is that when they're like, God, I really it really is time for me to get a new pair of sneakers. And they're like, what were some sneakers I've seen in the last three months that I really liked? Yeah. And it's like, and you've got to be top of mind at that point. I literally did that last night. Yeah. <laughs> I think Sam did too. I, I was like, I was like, like wait, I was ago. looking for a shirt to buy. I was like, I know I saved it. And then I just went back and I bought it. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah. that's kind of like that idea of, you know, the reason, and, and this is why like people like businesses like yours right. are successful because at the end of the day, like 
there are tools out there that allow you to sort of do this thing quite cheaply. Yeah. But the most expensive, it's not the expense of the tool. It's not, it's, 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 the, it's the expense of time. Right. Do you want to spend time right. or is it just going to be way cheaper to outsource yeah. it to someone who could do it in a second Absolutely. Will do it better than you. Yeah. And it's just like, here's 50 bucks a week. And I don't have to worry about it. And I have a great looking Instagram feed and I'm yeah. going to constantly maintain attention. And I'm going to constantly be there when that person wants to buy that training lesson. And I'm, I'm definitely going to touch on that point. But first I wanted to say that it goes back to your point about, again, Nike being a great example of um, a, a, large brand, um, which still fills the need to maintain a, uh, social media team, like a marketing team. Um, because traditional (coughs) marketing is, uh, great, but like you said, so many people are moving towards digital and social. And I, I don't think that that means that traditional advertising and marketing is dead per se. Um, but I do think it's a testament to the direction that we, not only are moving in, but like it's here. Yeah. Like this, this is the future. Everybody's talking about like the future of advertising, but like it's already here. Um, and it's important to get on board. And I think that's what a lot of my clients have realized is, you know, we need to stay relevant. It's important to have a uh, constant flow of pictures and and social media presence. Um, and what I'll jump back to is, also your point about a lot of websites and web searches not being as significant as they once were. Um, My client Heart Equestrian is like the same, same way. Uh, We did not have a website when I came on. It was an Etsy page and an Instagram and that was it. And we didn't have anything else. The website hadn't been launched yet. That was a project that I helped with, but um it wasn't up and running. It was literally like solely being funded by Instagram sales, uh, uh, or I guess flow from our Instagram to our Etsy page. And so I think that that's kind of a testament to like the, um, importance of having good social media. And, uh, I'm the same way at Cardinal. We don't have a website yet. That's something that is being developed as we speak. Um, <laughs> we but, just graduated. Yeah, I just graduated. I'm, I'm on it guys. I promise. Um, <laughs> but, uh, no, we have an Instagram and we will have a Facebook and a LinkedIn very soon. We'll have a website soon, but, but Instagram's the number one that you start with. Absolutely. Interesting. Yeah. 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 It's fascinating now to your point where the times are not coming, but they're here. Right. And I've noticed that there are some equestrian businesses, especially yeah. the boarding barns and the trainers and kind of these like niche, but very like specific, well, I guess that is niche, but just very specific equestrian related businesses that they're either I don't want to say in the dark ages, but there are these really 90s-esque websites. The social media, quote-unquote, presence is kind of on par with what the website looks like and that it's quite lacking. And then you have this whole new push of you look at the feed. It's beautiful. It's intuitive. It makes you want to learn more. You see their story, which I think is the most compelling argument to do it is because there are so many barns out there. There's so many trainers it's a small world, but there's also a lot of moving components to mm-hmm. it. So you stand out by your story. Yeah. So how are you going to tell your story? Like, what's that medium? What's your voice? What's your brand? And I'd say the ones that I've been the most impressed with to date are the ones that really take the time to put their story out there yeah. to differentiate themselves. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, the barns are businesses. And like any business, you want to stand out 
um, amongst your competitors or other people in your industry. And so, yeah, like <coughs> why, why care about a specific barn? Like, what is the story behind it? What is engaging about it? Like, why give me a reason to care? And that's, yeah, I why think should I go it's, to you it's critical versus the barn that yeah. has the, you know, same menu of services on paper right. down the street. Right. Like for example, with you, it's like your passion, your background, like you love this. You're, you're so embedded in the community. There's so many reasons why they yeah. would want to go with you versus just any ex, you know, marketing agency. Right. Yeah, so absolutely. I think if, I think if equestrian businesses could think like that too, and yeah. then, cause we, we get it a lot is like, I have the website. I, you know, I post on Facebook and right, why right. isn't anyone coming to me? So it's, right. it's interesting. Um, we, when we were interviewed by American stalls right. for their like monthly, um, spotlight article, they were like, Oh, do you have any advice for equestrian small businesses? And it sounded a bit harsh, but we literally wrote, stop making shit websites. Like, yeah. because websites is one of those things. Like the, the, I, we were talking about how the equestrian industry is still invests a lot of money advertising, like in billboards at, at like equestrian events, like sponsoring like signs there or their own websites, which is that traditional above the line advertising mindset from like, even maybe the eighties, like yeah. not even the nineties, the nineties was all about banner ads yeah. on websites. And the thing that's really interesting about it and is food for thought for the listeners is that it's more expensive than the new age advertising. They could pay, they could outsource their social media to someone who could post five times a day across all channels and they would still be saving money. I know. And that I doesn't know. include the it's, website, which is was- expensive to build. It- if you want to change things, you've then got to get that person on an hourly rate to go change the one word you want to change. Yeah. Like it's all very expensive, hard stuff to do. Whereas using Instagram, using Facebook, all that sort of stuff is something that it's, we all inherently know how to do. And it's much easier. It's, and it's cheap. A, a and it's, tool it's not free. that's available to everyone. To our points earlier about, you know, in the 80s and 90s, it was like banner ads and more traditional advertising and the signs. That's all great. But and I, I want to give them their props. One one brand that sticks out to me that does that um, at a lot of their events and things that they sponsor is Mars Equestrian. Yeah. But it's not because the Mars Equestrian signs I see everywhere. It's because it is ingrained in my brain from their social. Right. Like it's I know so their signs yeah. because of their social. Yeah. I know what that logo looks like. I know what the color scheme is. I can literally paint a picture in my yeah. head and it's there. Um, because they do such a great job branding it on social, and that's what I remember. So it's not what I see in person. And I I know that everybody else who is following Mars and other brands that do this that have really good branding and messaging they remember that from socials as well. It's not, it, maybe it's not because they went to the event in person. Maybe they were traveling or out of town or they were sick or, you know, whatever. They just didn't go, but they will see it and they will remember it because of social, because they yeah. can just easily open their screen, their, their phone. And it's right there. That's such a good point. Cause there have been numerous instances where you, you find out later that they're a publication. It's like, wow, like good on you. Like I'm, I'm into this brand because, and there's, you know, a local beautifully designed 
um, publication yeah. and um, we can call it out. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, the Scout Guide. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's gorgeous. And um, and I, I'm on their emails. I follow them on Instagram. It's just before I even saw their end product, I just knew that it was a high-end, really tastefully, well-curated, thoughtfully put together, you know, public – well, not even publication. I just – I knew – that they had a great message from their socials and then an email. And then when I actually saw the scout guide, the physical copy in person, it was like, Oh, I mean, this is just the icing on the cake. And so when I'm out at a shop in Middleburg and I see it, I'm like, Oh yeah, it's like you have this connection to it because of this online established connection. And then that, you know, it's just something to look at when you're waiting for your coffee. But, and, and what is so smart, I think about that is that it is also a national publication and so even though the uh, Scout Guide Hunt Country has its own distinct style, that cover you remember because it's also in 60 other like cities around the country. Right. And it's, you just, you know, that cover, you know, the seal, you know, what their books look I like with the, the, the stripe. Yeah. yeah. It's like, <laughs> it's just like good branding. Yeah. Yeah. But it's interesting if you think about the Scout Guide and then you think about um, a equestrian magazine that sells advertising. It's actually a really good um, juxtaposition of the value of each. So the Scout Guide is designed to be read while you're at a cafe having a coffee, right? Mm-hmm. So it serves that purpose. Like it's it's beautiful. You're actually going to sit down and take the time yeah. to read it. And right? for those that don't know what that is, maybe they don't have the Scout Guide in their, you know, their neighborhood. Mm-hmm. But yeah, tell us what the Scout Guide is. Oh, yeah. You go for it. Yeah. So the... Um, The Scout Guide, I guess I would say that typically it's published on an annual basis. Um, And I I myself, when I started off um, in marketing, it was for the production of our volume eight. So I was the social media and editorial assistant there. And um, basically the mission is just to do what I've also just always been doing is just like supporting local businesses, shopping local. So it really raises awareness for the best businesses, events, things going on in its respective community. Yeah. But it's so, but it's a national publication that like a franchise yeah. sells the rights to produce the local version of the Scout Guide. Yeah. And absolutely. they and then once a year they they publish this book and they distribute them for free yep. to all the local cafes and shops and businesses where everyone's gonna sit down and stop and might pick it up and read it. Yes. Yeah. And then they monetize it by going to all the local businesses and say, Do you want to be in this publication for a year? Yeah. And it basically it's a local community yeah. but and it's, I, but I it's, still but it's beautifully I, produced yeah. so that the ads actually look beautiful and they're stylized yeah. and they make and they match the culture of the local town in which it's being disseminated absolutely absolutely and again the the quality of photographers that we had was like incredible yeah. yeah it was just really really great photographers that we worked with um and i was gonna joke that i i still remember that fun job of riding around like a crazy person all over to warrenton and percival and barryville and like all over just <laughs> distributing um the guides once it it was hot off the press and it's just like really fun connecting with local business owners yeah. like that so yeah you brought it the, yeah, I know the, point, the point yeah. i was gonna make though oh, yeah, was yeah. that um so if you think about like in that context, print marketing makes sense. If you're a local business, right. it makes sense being in that because it's going to be in places where people will stop and actually read the magazine. Yeah. 
But if you think about a trade magazine as a place that you would place an ad for the equestrian world, like say, for example, you are, you're a farrier service. Mm-hmm. That model was that model was relevant when to get a farrier, you went to the home phone and you picked it up and you pulled out the the magazine and you flipped to the page and you found the farrier's number and then you called them. Right. Like the yellow but These days, when you need a farrier, you just pull up your mobile phone and you type in farrier. And then it shows you like the local farriers within like, you know, within your geo population, right? Right. So they don't, humans, we aren't conditioned anymore to go to the magazine to find the number. We, if we press, if we type it into Google search and it comes up, then we might go, oh, that's the one for the magazine. I'll go with that. But like, good it's, luck. It's that's not, not going to impa- happen. It's not impactful yeah. anymore. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's not a good, pl- so like, the, like there is a world in which print advertising has a space, yeah. but like, you've got to think through how humans are actually conditioned to use these things. And it's just not going to happen anymore. Absolutely. And what I, what I will say about the scout guide is that, um, the, the books are like, the guides are instantly recognizable, but also even with that job, I would say that, you know, the, the spreads were beautiful. The shoots were just incredible. And the images were, you know, gorgeous, obviously. Um, and the books, everybody loves the books, but even still, even then I would still say that 90% of the marketing was like what was going out on throughout the year, because it was sort of produced on a relatively annual basis. Um, you know, the book's great, but like, what are you, what are you doing leading up to it? What, what else are you doing throughout the year that is exciting? And how are you sharing that? And obviously for us, it was all on, on digital and social. So, and and that's why I think of the publications, like the old school equestrian publications can, yeah, sure. Keep, keep the, keep the hard copy. Maybe there's a place maybe at shows or, you know, at, at tax stores where you pick things up and just want to peruse it. But if they can also, do what the scout guide has successfully done, which is have that storytelling about the brands and the businesses online. Right. I think it'll just be a lot more impactful. And I Absolutely. haven't really seen that connection to date yeah. with any prominent equestrian, you know, yeah. old school advertising businesses. Do you get any equine? Do you get any equestrian publication emails? I do. You do. Right. So they, do, they, do they use the same model as the Scout Guide? No. Yeah. The Scout Guide is just so... Not, as, not in terms of aesthetics, oh, aesthetics, but in terms of like campaign, like year-long campaigns or month-long campaigns. No, it's honestly the, the publications that I get through email, it's just a lot of information at you. Right. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah. So there's not like they're building up to something or they're launching something mm-hmm. or building or storytelling. It's yeah. just... A lot of it's just very crowded, and the text, and that's kind of where I was touching mm-hmm. upon the aesthetic is the text. And I've seen this with a lot of like just equestrian businesses whose marketing emails I receive. Yeah. It's just bold, big letters, yeah. and you know, lots of ads on the sides. And I Oof. just, it's right. You, nobody wants to look at that. And no one wants to look at it. I I'm sorry, but like, no. So, so it's just fascinating that aesthetic really does play a part and the storytelling yeah. plays a part. So yeah, yeah. the other thing I would say on this actually too, is that, and we went through this with Pegasus in the early days is that if someone comes to you and tries to sell you like the cover mm-hmm. of a magazine for mm-hmm. like $10,000 or they say, Oh yeah, come on my, if you want to come on my podcast, I'll charge you 
$5,000 for like a two minute spot or something like that. And then the, if you're smart, you'll be like, well, you know, well, what's, you know, what, how many people do you seize your podcast? How yeah. many streams do you get? And they will in, they will always inflate their numbers. Yeah. So like just a hot tip for the listeners. Mm-hmm. If anyone ever does that to you, ask them the way these podcasts work is that it goes into like an online tool and that online tool will basically create a data dashboard where you can see how many streams you get from which country, which devices. So, for example, with us as Pegasus, we know that the grand majority of our listeners come from America, but we also have some listeners in France and Saudi Arabia <laughs> and Mexico. And we can see all that. Yeah. And we can see per episode how many people listen to it, where they're from, what devices they were using, all that sort of stuff. So they have all that data. And all it would take is for them to take a screenshot on the laptop of that data dashboard yeah. to get the real facts yeah. about how many streams and what their audience really well, is. Yeah. And so they're asking you for like $10,000. Do not hesitate to be like, okay, I believe you, but can you please send me a screenshot of your data dashboard? Oh, absolutely. And, that, yeah. and what you'll find is a lot of them will try to avoid doing that. Because they lie about their numbers. Mm-hmm. Well, they don't lie. They get create. They do something like, they, they take some creative they, liberty. Exactly. Yeah. Creative liberty with how they explain yeah. it. Well, and also I, I've noticed too is um, the marketing based on how many followers that they have. So right. they, they'll charge a certain right. amount because our fan base is like 50,000 followers. Mm. But what is missing from that is are they real followers? And that's okay. I'm glad we got to this. <laughs> so um, this obviously we were, we were talking about this before we hopped on here, but um, – I think what I try to stress to my clients, but also I just think everybody needs to be aware of, is that the number of followers that you have, it does not matter. It really doesn't. It it matters that you have an engaged, like genuinely interested uh, audience that you are sharing your content and posts with. How do you judge that? Typically, well, analytics and looking at the insights to all of your social media platforms is a great place to start. Um, there's different programs that also uh, do that. I don't use those personally um, because I am totally fine just looking through the insights provided on Instagram, Facebook, etc. Um, but it's really important, again, to see see your profile uh, clicks increase, your likes increase. Um you know, just, uh, I would say that that's, that's more important than having a huge following of bots or people who don't really ever see your content because they're not interested. Right. So I would say from a marketing standpoint, that's what I try to stress to my clients that, okay, it doesn't matter if you have a massive following, like while I'm here helping you, it matters that you're seeing real results come in, that you're seeing people come into your store as a result of the online marketing and the digital marketing that was being done um, that translates into sales and helps your business. So when you see real tangible results, that makes me feel good. Yeah. So with Chloe's and Middleburg doing their new style mobile, going to a number of really amazing local equestrian events to share that experience with uh, their audience and to continue to grow and gain this presence is a real tangible result that to me matters more than a few extra followers, Um, which, yeah, I I love that. On that point, a good way of thinking about it is 
a re- like the ultimate objective is to get clients, right? Right. Clients equals them coming to you, deciding to buy what you're selling, and then you them buying it and you getting money in the account. That's the actual outcome that you want. Yeah. Yeah. The only world in which having a ton of followers is valuable to you is if you are then selling the fact that you have a ton of followers. Yeah. Like, and then you, and then you become part of the pyramid scheme, right? It's just a pyramid scheme. I have tons of followers that means I can get marketing. And then you sell that to someone else to help them get tons of followers. Like it's just like the, the real outcome you want is you could have, you could have 200 followers, but if all 200 followers become 200 real clients, right. that's way more valuable than having 50,000 followers oh, yeah. and just nothing. And we're just spilling the tea. Oh, we are. <laughs> and we're, well, no, we're not going to name drop. Um, but uh, no, not not yet. Um, but uh, no, I mean, there's, there's a few like uh, local accounts that are, I would say, pretty well known. Um, and they have pretty significant followings, but like the marketing isn't great. Like mm. the picture quality isn't great. It's not pretty to look at. I mean, they still have a decent following, but I do have to wonder if it's, you know, I don't want to say it's bots, but, or if it's just people who aren't really interested in what they're posting because what they're presenting isn't to me impressive. Do they have yeah. like a big brand behind it where, cause I've noticed where say a yeah. big, a big celebrity yeah. gets, you know, an account and they have like millions of followers and yeah. they haven't even posted yet because yeah. they know that the celebrity is now on Instagram. So right. is that one of those things or it's truly it's it's tr- not matching. truly not good. And generally <laughs> truly not good. Um yeah, some sometimes I can tell generally pretty quickly about who has a <coughs> professional like marketing team or person behind them and who mm-hmm. doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um it's not always about the frequency of posts. There's also, you know, the aesthetic, like me actually analyzing what is being done if they use, you know, hashtags and tags and if they're keeping up to date with trends and what is popular in the social media world to do. And if they have a healthy mix of those kinds of mediums, then I generally have a pretty good idea that, okay, they know what they're doing as opposed to somebody who posts the same, well, I can think of a few restaurants that post the same pictures of like a sandwich. Every single, like, their entire feed post is a sandwich. And is it I'm a good-looking sandwich? No, and it's just <laughs> like, I, I'm just like, oh, my gosh. Like, I want to, you have to mix it up. You got to you gotta keep it fresh. Keep yeah. it interesting. Yeah. So Unless they're just a sandwich shop. I mean, yeah. yeah. On, on that, <laughs> more, more power to you. <laughs> on that, though, and this is like, you know, us at Pegasus, like, telling the truth and falling on our sword a bit here mm. um, so that, you know, the listeners can learn. When we first started out, we had we had a a private contractor reach out to us and say like, hey, like, do you want us to like use bots to like get get your viewers up? Yeah. Yeah. And 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 I know, and we would we never would have done it, but they were like, no, the reason you need and this is the sales pitch they give. So anyone listening, this is the sales pitch you'll hear. Mm-hmm. Well, if you get more followers, then you're going to get more likes per post. More likes per post means you're going to get into a different stratosphere as far as the algorithms go. There's the biggest stratosphere you get into the algorithms, the more your post gets pushed onto like the search page. Yeah. The more it's on the search page, the more followers you get, blah, 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 blah. And we were like, we don't know about this. And they're like, well, let me show you what an example looks yes. like. And they basically showed us an example. And the problem was, is that we never followed through with it because we were like, this is, no, we're not doing this. We want to do this organically. Yeah. But the problem we created for ourselves is that, once they unleash those bots, they can't take them back. Well, no, they actually they they did. They I, did well, take I, them back. I think some 
were taken back. I think some of them, but not all of them. Not and, all and of it's them. A pro- and it's a problem for us because, and this is why listeners never do this, is yeah. that. Don't because, even ask for how it works. It yeah, doesn't don't even work. ask how it works. Because once they realize that you might be interested, they won't leave you alone. Well, well, but yeah. it becomes a problem because then you're like, well, some of our followers are bots, which means that our data isn't accurate. So like when we're trying to, when right. we're, we're trying to test like what works and what's actually to get like a really accurate, positive feedback loop yeah. of like, what do we post that gets more user attention stuff? Yeah. Our, our results are diluted a bit. Like yeah. we know, we know they're relatively accurate, right. but they're not as accurate as they should be because yeah. we made the one mistake of being like, well, let's see an example. Well, uh, it was, but it was amazing. I, I told Connor that it was, yeah. it was so cryptic. It was like, well, let me show you. And it was like instantly <laughs> oh we were at God. dinner and it was just like, 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 and I can see why people would do it because you're, you're it's looking instant at it. gratification. Yeah. yeah. That's it. But then you look at that, you look at the profile and like, this is not a real person. Yeah. And so, yeah. and so it did get to the point where, cause they're like, what did you think? Did you like it? And I was like, well, you said, and granted it was not real. We never signed it. It was not a, like a thing. It was more just like, well, how does it work? And, but I noticed because exactly as Sam said, the sales pitch was, well, when you get all these likes and, it like, you know, puts mm-hmm. you on the discover page and then real authentic people will find you. And I was like, okay, well you had all these, I had an influx of people that were liking these posts and nothing, <sighs> nothing happened. I mean, right. maybe we did get some, you know, organic followers too, but frankly, when we first started, we had a pretty significant organic growth. I'd, I'd say within the first like two months we had 2000 and, and I don't know yeah, if this is good or not, but the first good, yeah. two months or so. 2,000 followers. Yeah. Yeah. Like all organic. And yeah. so you see that and like, well, geez, we already have like 2,000 at this point, maybe having, you know, like, well, we had more at this point, but yeah. having all those likes will accentuate it even more. Yeah. But I don't yeah. think that that's so the case. Listen, learn from our mistakes. I, don't, don't fall for it. Don't fall for their <laughs> lies. It's not worth it. You're only hurting yourself in the long run. But, yeah. 200 customers, 200 followers that actually turn into yeah. 200 paying customers is better. But, yes. the, but the nice thing yes. though is once we, once we were like, okay, that was, that was a nice roller coaster ride. Um, but we're like, we're not going to do this. Yeah. Um, then it, it was, the data went back to normal. Like yeah. there's a, we, if you look back in the beginning, there's a weird glitch of, these mm-hmm. aren't our mm-hmm. organic followers because we had 2,000 organic and then we had, I don't know, like an extra 1,000 likes <laughs> on a post. And it was like, these are not, like we've had a few hundred or less than that before. But right. now it's all, I feel like it's oh, recalibrated. Yeah, 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 yeah. And over time it it does fix itself. But I think if you're a small business and uh, or an entrepreneur and you're starting out and you don't really know what you're doing, again, it can be instant gratification, but you fall in that trap again of then your analytics and your insights being skewed. It's not an accurate representation of uh, the the hard work and uh, the kind of results that you actually want to see from your social media mm. posts and things like that, because it's all fake accounts. So, um, and also the testing too, like it's so yeah. good to, you put something out there and like that, that worked and that, you know, you see people share it or bookmark it or yeah. comment on it. And so that clearly was something that really resonated. So what can I do? That's just like that, that will get Absolutely. people really interested and, you know, versus, you know, if you just have all these likes from all these right. people, you don't know that. And and that's the thing is I think it it's a learning process, but it's really important to go through because if you don't go through that thing, you don't know what your audience, what really attracts your audience to your brand yeah. and what they want to see. And it's, it's, again, it's a learning process. You want to know these kinds of things. You want to know who you're um, catering to, who your clients are, 
what they like, what they want to see, uh, what they sort of expect from you or, or the messaging that you're putting out there. Mm. Um, and I think if you, uh, fall subject to instant gratification like that of bots or whatever, then you're kind of doing yourself a disservice because you're not learning, you're not really growing. And I think if you grow organically, there's such a, um, there's so much like, I feel like pride that goes into it because it's like, okay, like I did this all by myself or with the help of a marketing professional. (laughs) Um, but, uh, uh, no, it's, it's very rewarding and it makes you feel like you're doing a good job of like really putting the word out about your business. Mm -hmm. So it's important. So we've covered a lot so far, um, of kind of here and there and indirectly some of the mistakes we all have seen yeah. small businesses in the equestrian economy um, make when it comes to their marketing strategies, their social media strategies, ultimately where they spend their money and time. Right. Is there anything else um, we haven't covered that that really like is something that you see as like top kind of like three mistakes that a lot of people make that, you know, we can just help them save time and money right now by just like outlining. Well, and especially yeah. in the equestrian world, yeah. which yeah. I know that that yeah. makes, yeah. you know, a so, little bit more ripe. I, yeah. I would uh, definitely say one of the problems is seeing everybody else as a competitor Yes, is a huge problem. And that's, that's not specific to the equestrian world per se, although it is very prevalent in uh, the equestrian world is um, feeling like you have to compete rather than collaborate. which I find to be a huge mistake because you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot. You know, maybe people um, don't know your brand very well, or they aren't uh, familiar with what it is that you're, you're trying to share, or maybe they also just have loyalty to this other brand who you see as a competitor. And instead of collaborating with that brand and potentially, you know, converting somebody or bringing somebody over to like see, your services and what you're all about, then you're kind of, you know, shutting yourself off from that. And so I really think that collaboration is critical in marketing, um, not only as myself as a a sort of marketing agency, if you will, um, but also as individuals and as as individual businesses. Um, It really will come back to benefit you in the long run if you spread goodwill if you are interested in other local businesses other local barns other riders things like that if you just show people that um you are like a nice person like it goes a long way i don't know (laughs) it's really not that hard i i feel like to figure out but so many people miss that message and they just kind of see us other uh other riders and other businesses as competitors and somebody to like out yeah yeah so not a fan of that approach yeah and and on that like if you go back to what we're talking about before with like just getting people's attention right so humans are humans we whether it's meeting a new person who you might end up dating you always prefer to meet someone through a trusted party like yeah like you're you're like that's that person is knows that person. Therefore I feel like subconsciously I trust them. Yeah. So like, I can, like I will go on this date with that person yeah. or something like there's, that. There's familiarity yeah. there. Yeah. And so the majority of podcasts that I discover mm-hmm. or the majority of accounts that I will follow on Instagram will be, 
I will see in the comments of ca- accounts or podcasts I've already yeah. like and trust, right? Yeah. And so, and that and that just taps into that like that that primitive nature of you know people you trust within the tribe sort yeah. of thing, right? So if you collaborate with people rather than trying to compete with people, then they're going to post you mm-hmm. and then you're going to pick up some of their following and then you're going to post them yeah. and they're going to pick up some of your following. And it's not a zero-sum game. Like, yeah. If they get some of your followers in return for you getting some of their followers, yeah. who cares if they get some of your followers? Like, You still yeah. got your followers. Like, yeah. You don't have to worry about it. Yeah. It's and not like they're, everyone's going to like leave you. It's like, right. no, like more people are going to flock to you because yeah. they see that you're promoting a lot of other interesting people and interesting things. So yeah. yeah. And and I think by doing that is just, you have to be open to that and, yeah. and frankly, just be a, a nice, good person to work with because right. ultimately people want to work with people that they like. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I think that those collaborations that you'll see usually exist because they are people that they see the benefit and they're like, right. wow, like not only do I really like what you're doing, but I really like you and I want to help you. And it just becomes yeah. this incredible community. Well, that's, that's the thing is I think community, especially um, in the equestrian world is so important because at times it's been lacking and we have uh, oftentimes closed ourselves off <laughs> too much to the point where Oh, Sam's back. Oh, no, <laughs> Do you need some water? No, I'm good. Okay. Um, but uh, no, the equestrian world is very closed off. Um, and I think- Siloed. Yes, siloed. And I know that was one of the things we were going to get to. And I think at Pegasus and at Cardinal, we've both done a really good job of just being nice and like promoting goodwill and showing people that we are active, engaged members of our communities. Um, and I mean, that's certainly from a marketing standpoint, it's come back to help me significantly because people see that I'm, you know, tagging or, or liking like-minded accounts, things and commenting, um, and sharing what they're doing with our audience, especially at, at Great Meadow, which is kind of serving as like a, like a community space, um, for a lot of people in, in horse and hunt country. Um, but you know, people see that and people reach out because of that and they want to know what I'm doing and they want to do business with me. Um, that's how I pretty much became acquainted with you all and American stalls and like a lot of other significant, um, community, uh, forces in our community was, just that tactic, which it's not rocket science. Yeah. So yeah. it's, it's just very, very easy. Yeah. You know, it's, um, I know we've talked about it before, but it was really the case of you, you see the people that are out there doing it online, of course, yeah. right. This all took place online. And that's how I personally found like Yash online. Cause yeah. I saw that he was this, you know, this young, he had recently graduated. He was so motivated and, doing something so exquisite at Absolutely. you know such a young age and frankly it was so refreshing and different to see an equestrian business that was like a hustler but yeah. not a hustler in like a like a um, like a bad use, way yeah, not <laughs> like in a bad good way hustler. and like um so we listened to this hustling podcast in a good way just yes. to clarify just yeah. to clarify like, hustling, like in the sense of like Entrepreneur, just every day, really so like, pushing, trying pushing, to go ahead, exactly, and live just, the best product for the client. And it was so funny too because I knew that we listened to the same podcast before I, I even confirmed it with him because just everything that he had online about what he was doing, how he was collaborating with the community, it was like, "Do you listen to the Tim Ferriss podcast by any chance?" And he's like, <laughs> "Yeah, 
all the time. Like, yeah, I do it. Cause it's, it's, it's exactly, it's kind of like what we're trying to do with the, with this podcast, which is you're sharing, you're teasing out the processes and the strategies and all those things that are working as Mm -hmm. an entrepreneur. And so of course, the Ferris does this with all these huge businesses, like anything you would think of at this point is massive. And we're trying to do that with the equestrian space. So, and and exactly with how I found you, it's like, wow, this guy is, you know, he's in the community. He's hustling in a good way. (laughs) Like he's just really trying and he really cares. And it's, and it's a service minded customer focused mindset Mm -hmm. that I think is rare and gets you really far. And, and you have, you just create something really special when that happens because you have this collaborative, that's the thing too. It's so collaborative. There's so many things that I learned from Yash and I learned from you and it's, and then we can apply to our own businesses. Well, that's, that's the thing is I, I really think that it benefits everybody. Um, and most people who have avoided actively this approach that we're talking about, they only maybe care about their best interests. Yeah. But I feel like, again, it's kind of was, was prompted by my love of this area and of our community is that I just want to see like everybody do well, like that, that makes me happy. And it knows that I, I can do better too. Um, if everybody else is doing better around me. If my clients are doing well, then I'm doing well. And you know what's so, so cool too is when you go in person, because it is a small yeah, town and it's yeah. a small equestrian world. Right. When you go in person and you see them, it's like this instant camaraderie. Yeah. Like I feel like I'm close now to some of your clients right. from having chatted with you. And I've, right. you know, we've kind of given each yeah. other shout outs online. And yeah. so now when I see them, it's just, it's so, it's a lovely environment. It's so refreshing. Yeah. 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 Um, looking at this, and we're going on for an hour and 47 minutes now. So, could chat oh about this for my while. gosh, are you serious? Yes. <laughs> Whoa. So, just going to finish it up. I'm just a to talker. Go. I get that from my mom. Shout out to you, mom. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> she wanted, oh my God, she actually wants that in there. <laughs> that, that Hi, mom. Um, just to go big picture for a second, um, talking about like everything we're just talking about, like, at Pegasus, one right. of the key things that one of the key problems that we are trying to solve, and it's basically everything that we are we represent as a company, and right. like the technology we are building is um, focused towards achieving, is helping bring the equestrian sport slash community slash economy together because it is it's a it's a huge industry but it's so siloed Mm. and we were speaking with um not naming names we were speaking with a gentleman here in um in middleburg okay who used to be a very and still is but used to be much more so a very active and political figure in the equestrian space he's probably one of the most famous writers in this area yeah oh i know who you're talking about yeah 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 yeah. anyway (laughs) i love him (laughs) when he was in a very strong position of power in the in in the the governing body of the of the equestrian world he would say that like every like three or four years a new marketer who did not come from the equestrian world would come into their organization and be like, oh my God, this is the best market I've ever seen. It is largely women between the ages of like 20 and like 55. Like that's where like most yeah. of the purchasing power is in the industry. Right. Which makes it easy, right? Yeah. Because it's not like a very diverse demographic. It was oh, yeah. quite specific compared yeah. to a lot of industries. Yeah. And they 
a lot of them were spending a lot of money and it was a very antiquated industry. And they Absolutely. thought, and they were like, oh my God, like, I'm going to come in and I'm going to clean up. I'm going to get the best marketing strategy. I'm going to be so successful, like blah, blah, blah. And he said every three years they would leave with their tail between their legs because they failed to accept, the, they failed to un- understand how siloed it was. So while mm. it was a perfect industry on paper to build a fantastic marketing campaign and strategy and build mm-hmm. community, mm-hmm. they always failed because the, the Western barrel riders weren't talking to the English show jumpers who yeah. weren't talking to the eventers, which weren't talking to the such and such. Um, so something like I would really love to see and like try and achieve is I would love to see the, the, the celebrities for lack of a better term from the different disciplines yeah. start to tag each other. So I like talk the to show each other. jumpers start talking to the eventers. The eventers start giving shout outs to their like barrel races. Yeah. Like and the different verticals starting to tag each other so that the celebrity crew, for lack of a better term, yeah. the celebrity the celebrity ecosystem of the different verticals of riding start to become buddies. You know, and you they know start tagging would, each other. And that will break down the silos. I, you know what I would love to see after that initial stage of tagging is like a round table with like people in the industry talking about what needs to be done and why it is the way it is and why it's been this way. Um, and how we can kind of move forward presenting a more united equestrian world for lack of better words. Um, but I would love to see him on, um, (laughs) I would love to see, um, you know, all these other, riders in all different disciplines just like i don't know it sounds weird to say hug it out but like i don't know just like <laughs> just, to just start to have the sort of yeah. conversations that um i don't know the equestrian world has been lacking and 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 support and respect other disciplines and you know it is very divided but i know at pegasus y'all shared a lot of what you're doing sort of behind the scenes to help help build some bridges um and uh kudos kudos to you yeah well well, it's it's been cool too because you know our this is our our bonus episodes but we're making it a series which is the the business broadcast and talking about you know behind the scenes of these equestrian economies that go around you know on a more micro level but on a our typical format is a more macro level absolutely of the equestrian you know economics and the equestrian industry and that takes into consideration different kinds of industries and different parts of the world. And there are so many learning lessons in all of that. And so that's, what's just so fascinating is if we all did talk to each other, I love that idea of a round table. Like there would be so many components of what are the barrel racers doing like to run their barn? You know, perhaps there's some things that us here in Middleburg that have stables. It was just, it would be so blatantly obvious to hear if they shared that. And, you know, there's millions of different other, you know, um, examples of that, but, yeah, I do love the idea of a roundtable. Yeah, and let's let's make it happen next I podcast. I love that. <laughs> like, really good point. Like when you look at the when you look at the strain that Western riders put on their horses, like stopping like such short, fast turns and stopping, like surely they have got a million lessons to teach. Like sh- like the English yeah. riders who aren't putting their horses under so much strain about like oh yeah, there's a very simple fix to how you like protect their knees. This is it. And English riders are like, we've never been taught that. Or before. certain tactics with like chiropractor. Yeah, or exactly. Like massage therapy. I don't know. Or just yeah. certain kind of bedding that's really beneficial that, you know, only Western riders hear about. I mean, who knows? There's yeah. probably so many golden nuggets that we all have in our own sport. And it was this same gentleman actually who said, 
I, and I'm butchering it. It's, he said it much more eloquently, but it was essentially where if you look at track and field, there are so many different components of track and field, like the jolting and the hurdles. And I don't know. I, oh, yeah. But like, you don't think jolting. of uh, <laughs> the, jol- the javelin. Javelin. I javelin. Think. Don't quote me on oh, that. Yeah. <laughs> javelin. Okay. Javelin the thing with the, the stick and they jump over a yeah. wall. Pole I, vault. Yeah. That thing. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So they're, exactly. I don't, I don't know any, this, this proves my point. I don't know about any of that but I know about track and field, right? So we should start thinking about that as equestrians in this space where it's not, we're the Westerners or we're like, you know, the eventers, the show jumpers, the pool players. We're like the equestrian sport, right? So just like I as an outsider don't know anything about any the terms or how it works within track and field, how are people outside of the equestrian world going to know what eventing is, right? Right. And, And actually on that point, when you get excited about something new, you're excited to learn yeah. how many different parts of it you can go into. Yeah. Like, like it's, it's binary. It's like, first it's binary. It's like, I'm not interested. And then, and, and if I said, if I said to you, oh yeah, there are like 30 different disciplines within the equestrian world and I wasn't interested, I'd be like, I don't care. Right. But like, now I'm interested and I say, oh, and there are 30 different sports within this sport that you can learn about. Really? I can, I can like, I can go down the rabbit hole on 30 yeah. different sports. Yeah. That's exciting. I've got so much to look forward to. Like, yeah. And that's what we've been doing with our podcast, which yeah. is really cool because we've learned about so many different sports. And that's also right. having these conversations with like Augustine, our, you know, our, our polo yeah. playing neighbor. Yes. I mean, we've got to go down the, the rabbit hole with him on how that works. And we had, I mean, I guess that was more online with this type of podcast, but for the weekly three stories, mm-hmm. we've been learning about um, like polo cross and just how different parts of the industry works that we all just kind of take for granted. Like the yeah. hay market, for example, we all yeah. just buy hay and maybe complain about hay depending on where we are in the world <laughs> and the prices and the quality. But it's like, well, why is it that way? You know, and then like right. really breaking that down and just having those conversations that no one's seemingly have had before. Oh, absolutely. I, I think with um, Sam, you probably also had this experience like first getting into the equestrian world. But for me, when I started marketing um, at uh, the Scout Guide, it was the same type of deal where that was really the first time I'd kind of actually taken a a sort of deep dive, I'll say, into the specifics of the equestrian world, like what the different disciplines are, what, um, you know, they they do at their respective events and things like that. And there still is so much, even, I guess it's been three, three years later, now since I started there, um, that I've learned so much more. And I imagine if you're in it and you actually like ride and, you know, you certainly learn more about all the different kinds of disciplines, it's just like an endless, uh, uh, you know, cycle there. There's just a a wealth of information I think there, um, to benefit from. And I think everybody could benefit if they just kind of talked about it more and yeah. Yeah. Talked about it and and maybe just yeah, it starts yeah, by just, talking about just it. Just show that you're, you know, interested and intrigued. And um, I think we need more of that. So, because I was going to ask you, as I know, we're, we're approaching along. Um, I mean, I frankly could talk to you. About is this, this your, for... is, I'm intrigued. Is this going to be your longest podcast? I think it might be. Probably. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to set a record, everybody. Look at yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot to unpack. Oh on my gosh. Page. I, I know. Have have know. We could, we could be here all night. Yeah. yeah. Literally. Get literally. that champagne downstairs. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, but I was thinking like, okay, if I'm an established, say boarding barn right. where I've been, I've had boarders at my barn for decades and 
I don't know this technology stuff. I don't use it. I don't want to. Like, how does someone like that even begin the discussion of marketing? And I'll and I'll say it like that person, assuming they aren't getting the clients, the client awareness, the client retention. Okay. So how does someone like that? Because I could see a lot of businesses, you know, especially around mm-hmm. here, that are like, oh, I don't know all this marketing stuff. I don't know Photoshop. I mean, that's like a daunting, yeah, yeah. intimidating program if you're not familiar. So, so I have I have two words. Okay. Um, hire me. <laughs> um, I and think we'll end on that. And <laughs> it's been it's been great, guys. Um, we're gonna wrap this up real quick. Um, it's, but it is a good point. Yeah. It's no. Well, point. it's it's. Uh, you I know, know you're kidding, but it's. It, I'm kidding, but I'm also not. Like yeah. I I think it it depends. I think if you are a larger um, business where, or, you know, my clients, they're, some of them are, are really small businesses. No, even I think the small businesses probably need you more than the larger and, businesses. Yeah. yeah. And because if you're a small business, if you're a one man shop, you haven't got time to learn no how to use way. Photoshop. Absolutely. You just don't. Absolutely. But you can throw $50 a week at the problem and yeah. have a far better quality you know, product than you would yeah. actually get. Maybe, maybe a little more than fifty. But yeah, 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 yeah. You know, you know, what I mean? no, you're right, yeah. you're right. But no, I, I think um, even, even still, uh, Nadia Rossi Interiors is um, a fairly small business, but she really explained to me the importance of allocating enough funding into marketing because she sees the importance of it. Yeah, and the fact that. Again, like you said, even the smallest businesses, they know that to grow and to uh, have a presence and gain more clients, that they need to have a really good like marketing plan. Even if it's not with me, even if they don't bring anybody on, um, they need to know what they're doing. But also understand that if you are going to do it by yourself, that it's a process and you need to be willing to learn. You need to be open to critique and constructive criticism because everybody will have an opinion um, that is bound to happen. Um, But, you know, have fun with it. Like make interesting posts, like just be fun, like have fun. Don't take it too seriously. Sometimes people think that they have to only post one kind of thing or, you know, one, uh, one kind of medium and they, that they aren't going to put themselves out on the on the camera uh, to to sort of show their their face, you know, and what they um, are sharing uh, with their community. And I think it's really important to have fun, share your mission, don't take it too seriously. Yeah, that's such a good yeah. point too. Because like, it's funny that you say that because I remember when I first started the whole social media stuff, and yeah. right, I come from engineering to tech sales. So yeah, there's really yeah. no marketing, self marketing that I'm doing. It's right. kind of all done for me, and so. I remember when I was first starting, it was so overwhelming because when you go on Instagram, you just see like, especially like the high glossy types of accounts and they're beautiful. Um, they're well done. They probably have a force behind it too, but there's a lot of those that are frankly like the same. Mm -hmm. And so, and for me as a newbie, I'm looking at that, like, wow, that looks really hard to learn. There's clearly some editing skills behind it. And then it seemed like when you actually look at each post, there wasn't actually anything that unique behind it. And so to your point about having fun, mm-hmm. that's kind of – like I took a step back and I was like, okay, well, who are we? What are we trying to get 
across to the people that are looking at this? Like, who do we, who do we want to be perceived as? Like, right. and, and for us, it was very much, we're a young tech company. We're disrupting the space and that we're bringing like a fresh look of eyes. We want to connect it. We want to do something really different that right. hasn't been done. And so we have bright poppy colors that mm-hmm. are the antithesis of what you'll see in a lot of these other more established equestrian influencer brands, yeah. right? They're which are more like glossy and and like yeah. and they're beautiful and and for them for what their brand is it works. But I felt like from a tech company that's trying mm-hmm. to get uh, you know our mission across, our message across, it was it had to stand out absolutely. It, and so I've been having fun with it. Well, it does. It's hard. It's hard to forget your colors. So, <laughs> which not, I love. I love. You might not I love, love it, but you, there you go. It's hard no, to I, I do. Think it's I a do great color. It. I think actually Sam came up with that color. It, I did. I came up with it. Yeah, but it's, it does. It it stands out. I remember seven four zero four F something like that. <laughs> secrets, business secrets we're yeah. sharing here. Yeah, yeah, but it is amazing that um, yeah. when you do, when you do, just think back of like, okay, who are we? You yeah. know, because it's so easy. It, but that's, I mean, that's a big existential question with anyone when they're on social media. Right. It's like the constant comparing. Even the, even if you're just an individual, it's like, well, this is what my Instagram account looks like. Well, what is your Instagram? Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So it's, I think just going back to. Like, what are you trying? Why are you, why are you here? What are you trying to put out there? And that's, again, that's like the starting point for everything I do. Like, why, why do the clients care? Why should I care? Why should the audience care? And how do I convey that message um, well and in a way that uh, suits my clients' needs? And um, that's really just a great, great starting point to be at. If you, if you are able to take some time to think about that and pin that down, then I think you're off to a really good start. Yeah. So So one final point to sum that up. Don't make a stop. (laughs) (laughs) Are we at the two hour mark yet? We are. Two two hours, three minutes. (laughs) If you go on YouTube and you type in Simon Sinek, S-I-N-E-K, and then comma Y, he he went. He was a famous uh, influencer, YouTube influencer, who became famous for creating a a video called um, "The Power of Why." And the idea is, people don't buy people don't buy from you because of what you do. They buy from you because of why you do it. Yeah, Yeah. and it's a great video, and it basically sums up everything we've been talking about. Um, And if you wanted to apply that, for example, to uh, the equestrian world and small, medium businesses, Mm -hmm. like if I was a horse trainer and I was trying to get my mission across my Instagram account, I would be selling my methodology and why I believe in that methodology. Because the people who don't believe in your methodology, they're not going to be interested. But the people who are like, yes, your methodology and your mantra for why you've built your training program the way you have is everything I believe in. And now your mission. No, and yeah. now there's no other trainer I possibly want to be with because the rest are just trainers, but you're like my spiritual mirror. Yeah. Right? We're, we're so many Life people. Guru. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's a great video. And I actually think that was the video that Sam sent me when I was in this, like, oh my God, how do I begin? Like, what do I because you just see what yeah. you what you see and not necessarily have your own voice yet. But that that's really what helped f- like frame my thinking as to, okay, like like what's what's the purpose you know why are we doing this Mm -hmm. and then and then the features is really that outer circle that's just the listing so for apple for example it's all about their their mission of what they're trying to accomplish and and then because you believe in that so much you'll buy the the, you know the, the 
the random accessories that they sell outside of their computer. Because yeah. you're not buying the computer, you're buying Apple. You're yeah. buying, uh, I don't want to say that every uh, client <laughs> wants to sell a lifestyle, but you're selling more than just mm-hmm. a product. You're selling a vision of some sort. Um, and I think it's important to find out what that is um, and and how to embody that is really, really critical also. Um, sometimes it is selling like a lifestyle and literally that's kind of my job at times. And yeah. it's like kind of fun, but yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot. We could be here for We're gonna need a round literally two. hours uh, <laughs> talking, talking more about that. So all right, we'll have to have you back in then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. part two, part two. So Connor, where can people find you? So people can find me now on Instagram at Cardinal Marketing LLC. Um, and again, I will have a website, uh, Facebook and LinkedIn, hopefully under those same sorts of um, usernames and URLs. How do you spell Cardinal? Soon. Cardinal, uh, C-A-R-D-I-N-A-L, Cardinal Marketing, LLC. Yeah, and, and when that's published too, once the website's live, we'll yeah. also on Pegasus share that too oh, so yeah, everyone can find you. you. So, yeah, of course. Well, I will be posting up a storm, so <laughs> everyone <laughs> will know. I mean, you're, already, you're already just doing such amazing oh, things. So I, I can't – we're going to yeah. have to have – we're going to have to make this a quarterly discussion. Because oh, right yeah. now you already have – Numerous clients. Oh, I bet gosh. a year from now it's going to be it's your team out just <laughs> cheering for you outside. So. I'm I'm so excited. Again, I've been very fortunate to grow so quickly straight out the gates, um, and have hardly had time to catch my breath. Um, and I know that again, the time is going to come very soon, much sooner than I anticipated. Of um, you know, helping to grow sort of my team here. Um, so hopefully, yeah, in a couple so months. Be on the or, lookout for some job postings. Yeah, a couple months from now, a year from now, or something. Things will be a lot different. So Amazing. sounds good. Thanks, yeah, Connor. Thank you for having me. Lovely nice having you. Absolutely. Absolutely.